the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Judges. deliverer because it was far from Sidon and they had no ties with anyone. Point number five, isolation makes us vulnerable to the enemy. These people were far away from their own people and here they are occupying this area of northern Israel and they were very vulnerable to attack. And it is a good reminder to us that isolation makes us vulnerable to the enemy. Look, this is the reason why the body of Christ needs each other. Never underestimate the importance of church and fellowship with other believers. God didn't make us to live solitary lives. When you're in the world telling people about the hope you have in Jesus, you're going to face opposition. Not everyone will like what you have to say. But Pastor Gary is going to remind you that church is where you can be encouraged to stay strong in your faith by other believers. You're meant to fellowship with other Christians, both to encourage others and to be encouraged. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Judges, chapter 17, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Ultimately, we take marching orders from King Jesus. And so our allegiance is to God. And that's why I've said often, whenever government asks us to do something that contradicts clearly what is revealed in God's word, our allegiance should be first and foremost to God. And you see that throughout the Bible, there were periods of civil disobedience to government because government was asking people to do something that was clearly contrary to God. And so we have to first and foremost be surrendered to God. Our allegiance is to God. So when the Bible says here, in that day there was no king, it was a commentary on the hearts of the people. They didn't acknowledge God as king. And therefore they ended up doing what was right in their own eyes. So we need to be careful to always make sure that as followers of the Lord, that we recognize God as king. He's the one that directs our lives. We obey what he says in his word. He's the one that sets the parameters of what is right and what is wrong. He's the one that defines things that are good, that are evil. We don't care what the culture says. We want to follow what God says in his word and be obedient to God. So that's one takeaway from this. The other takeaway, I think, from chapter 17 is this, and it's a familiar saying. It's possible to be sincere, but sincerely wrong. I think, honestly, Micah was being sincere here. He was just sincerely wrong. He had somewhat of a heart for God because he's going through all these religious motions, but he's doing things that are contrary to God's prescribed way. You know, he's setting up his own little shrine. He's hiring his own little personal priest. 
and he's fashioning idols. Okay, all of this is just wrong. But the heart of the guy seems to be he wants to try to connect with God. He wants to kind of have, you know, some sense of worship to God. But he's doing things that are right in his own eyes, and he's not following God's prescribed way. So all of this is just really out of order. It doesn't make sense, and it isn't anything that God has designed or sanctioned. This is what he's doing, though. And so it's important for us to always recognize that kind of thing. Like, we might be sincere about stuff, but we have to make sure that the things that we are doing line up with what God says in his word. Otherwise, we can be accused of the same thing that we're saying about Micah. We might be sincere, but we're sincerely wrong. So this is that guy. This is chapter 17. We're not done with this story because it goes into chapter 18. Take a look at chapter 18 with me. In those days, there was no king in Israel. So that's half of that same statement. And in those days, the tribe of the Danites was seeking an inheritance for itself to dwell in, for until that day, their inheritance among the tribes of Israel had not fallen to them. Now, this is what that means. Remember, back in the book of Joshua, Joshua assigned land allotments to all the tribes of Israel. Dan got their land allotment in the book of Joshua. Joshua was careful to give the tribe of Dan, the Danites, their own allotment. The problem was, the Bible tells us, that the Danites had trouble dislodging the enemy. They had trouble occupying their territory because they were always in conflict with the enemy who was always trying to occupy it instead. And so they were frustrated and they felt like they could never really lay hold of the land that God had given to them. Well, unfortunately, they should have kept fighting and trusted God to give them the land that was promised on oath to them. Instead, they decided, we're going to go find some other place to live where we don't have to fight so hard. And so verse 2 says, So the children of Dan sent five men of their family from their territory, men of valor from Zorah and Eshtaol, to spy out the land and search it. They said to them, Go search the land. So they went to the mountains of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, and lodged there. Okay, and while they were there at the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of the young Levite. They turned aside and said to him, who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? What do you have here? Now, pause for a second. We don't know the connection, but apparently these five spies who were sent out by the tribe of Dan to go find some new territory in which to live, when they come to the house of Micah and they find lodging there, because that was typical. It's not like there was a Holiday Inn around every corner. So they're like knocking on doors. Hey, can we stay at your house? Micah's like, yeah, you guys can stay at my house. When they come to stay at Micah's house, they see the rent-a-priest. And they're like, we recognize you. What are you doing here? And so he said to them, verse 4, he said to them, thus and so Micah did for me. He has hired me and I have become his priest. And so they said to him, well, please inquire of God that we might know whether the journey on which we go will be prosperous. Okay, here's another takeaway. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a few points as we go through this 18th chapter now. Point number three here. God expects us to follow his lead rather than us expecting him to bless our lead. What these guys are doing is they already have a mindset, we're going to find new land. They hadn't inquired of the Lord. The Lord had already given them through allotment what Joshua had predetermined, okay? They're going on search for new land. And now they stumble upon this personal priest of Micah. They're like, oh, you have your own personal priest. Okay, what are you doing here? We recognize you. And so they say to this guy, could you ask if God's going to give us favor on our mission? But wait a minute, you're already on your mission. What you really want is for God to bless your mission. 
You're not really asking, does God want me to even do this? Because if that's what you had in mind, you would have done that before you left on your recon mission. So these five spies are trying to figure out and find out, is God going to bless what we're up to? Do you know how many people make that mistake today? I'm going to take this job, or I'm going to move to this place, or I'm going to marry this person, and now God bless this. Well, wait a minute. Maybe you should be asking before you move or marry, is this what God wants? Ask first if God would reveal to you and confirm in some way what his will is instead of just doing what you jolly well want and then hoping God will bless your endeavors. We have it backwards. But just because we have a relationship with God, we think we can go ahead and do what we want and then hope God is just going to bless it. God is not obligated to bless things that we decide to do in our flesh. And there are a lot of things we decide to do in our flesh. And a lot of times we learn the hard way. Because God's not going to bless stuff that is not of him. So these guys ask us, rent the priest, would you please find out, please, from God? Will he give us favor? Will he bless what we're doing? Well, this priest who's not acting in God's will either, how can you trust what he's going to say? But he ends up saying in verse 6, and the priest said to them, go in peace, the presence of the Lord be with you on your way. He doesn't actually say, yeah, this is what God wants. So he kind of, you know, threads the needle real carefully there. He says, go in peace. Yeah, may the peace of the Lord be on you. Yeah. I'm getting paid by the Micah guys. I don't really care what I'm going to tell you. (laughs) So the five men departed and went to Laish. Now circle that in your Bibles. They went to Laish and they saw the people who were there, how they dwelt safely in the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure. There were no rulers in the land who might put them to shame for anything. They were far from the Sidonians and they had no ties with anyone. Okay, these five spies from the tribe of Dan keep going north to the upper northern extreme of Israel. Today, to get to Laish, you go over the Golan Heights, and you go to the place where today in Israel it's called Tel Dan. Tel Dan, because now it's named after the tribe of Dan. They end up settling in this territory, but originally it was known as Laish. When you go to Tel Dan, it's one of the places we go when we tour Israel, and it's this beautiful nature reserve. The headwaters of the Jordan River come from up in this region here, just over the Golan Heights up in Tel Dan, and it's beautiful. I mean, I don't blame the Danites for settling there because it's beautiful. It's lush, fresh water. It's a very beautiful place. What the Danites end up doing... And I'm giving you a little bit of preview at how chapter 18 ends. But they end up settling there. And because this is the northern extreme of Israel, they don't want to make the journey down to Shiloh or what will then later become Jerusalem as the place to worship. So what do they do? They set up their own altar and they set up their own sacrificial system up there at Tel Dan. So when you go to Tel Dan today, you can still see the remnants of the ancient altar. There it is. Still up there in that location. This is not a good thing. This is their way of saying, we don't want to bother to go down to Jerusalem. We don't want to submit to the sacrificial system. And that's what God had in place 
to provide temporary atonement for the people. They just took matters into their own hands. Why? Because in that day, they didn't acknowledge any king. They only did what was right in their own eyes. We're not going to Jerusalem. We're going to have our own priestly system up here. We're going to offer our own sacrifices up here. So they do kind of like a replica, a duplicate of what's going on in Jerusalem, but they decide to do it their own way. And this is what you see up until then, the remains of the ancient altar where they worshiped in a way that was not prescribed in Scripture. Well, back to our story here. So, verse 8, Then the spies came back to their brethren at Zorah and Eshtal, and their brethren said to them, What is your report? And so they said, Arise, let us go up then. Let's go up against them. For we have seen the land, and indeed it is very good. Would you do nothing? Do not hesitate to go and to possess the land. When you go, you will come to a secure people and a large land, for God has given it into your hands, a place where there is no lack of anything that is on the earth. When these spies got up to Laish, they found a colony of Sidonians living there. Now, Sidon was a seaport city along the Mediterranean coast. They're inland here, away from Sidon, up here in Tel Dan, some 50 miles. And so, for whatever reason, there's a colony of Sidonians who have gone inland about 50 miles, settled up in this region of northern Israel. They have no protection from their fellow Sidonians because they're 50 miles away from them. They've not built any ties or relationships with other people who can help fight for them. And they live in this beautiful paradise-like place. So these spies of the Danites go back to their people and say, we have found some people. You know, they're far away from people who are going to protect them. They have no other ties. It's beautiful. We need to go take them. We need to go attack them. And so, verse 11 and 600 men of the family of the Danites went from there, from Zorah and Eshtaol, armed with weapons of war. Then they went up and encamped at Kiriath-Jerim in Judah. Therefore, they call that place Mahane-Dan to this day. There it is, west of Kiriath-Jerim. And they passed from there to the mountains of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. Okay, this is the same guy from chapter 17. So they're on their way up to take this northern region, but they're coming through Ephraim again. And they come to the house of Micah. Look, then it says, The five men who had gone to spy out the country of Laish answered and said to their brethren, Do you know that there are in these houses an ephod, household idols, a carved image, and a molded image? Now, therefore, consider what you should do. So they turned aside there and came to the house of the Levite man, to the house of Micah, and greeted him. The 600 men, armed with their weapons of war, who were of the children of Dan, stood by the entrance of the gate. Then the five men who had gone to spy out the land went up. Entering there, they took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image. The priest stood at the entrance of the gate with the 600 men who were armed with weapons of war. Okay, everybody follow along what's happening here? The Danites on their way up to take this land. They have 600 soldiers. The five original spies, they go, we know this house. We've stayed here, and we know there's a priest here, and we know he's got an ephod, and he's got idols. So we need to go grab those on our way. So they go to the house of Micah. Now you got 600 armed soldiers. So the priest opens the door like, what do you want? We want your idols. We're going to take them with us. What's the priest going to do? You got 600 soldiers here. So verse 10, verse 18, I mean. When these went into Micah's house and took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image, the priest said to them, what are you doing? And they said to him, be quiet, put your hand over your mouth and come with us. Be a father, be a spiritual father and a priest to us. 
is it better, they ask, for you to be a priest to the household of one man or that you be a priest to a tribe and family in Israel? And so the priest's heart was glad, and he took the ephod, the household idols, and the carved image, and took his place among the people. All right? It's probably more pay. He's like, all right, I'm going to leave this one household. Forget you, Micah. I'll go with the whole tribe of the Danites, and I'll be your priest. Off they go. Verse 21, then they turned and departed and put the little ones, the livestock, and the goods in front of them. Why did they do that? Because they need to protect the rear. Because they know if anybody's coming after them, you know, Micah might be a little perturbed that they stole the rent-a-priest. And so if he's going to come after them, they're going to put the children, the livestock, uh, the goods in front so they can protect the rear. So verse 22, when they were a good way from the house of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house gathered together and overtook the children of Dan. Here they come. And they called out to the children of Dan, so they turned around and said to Micah, what ails you? I love the way New King James says that. Like, did your mom ever say that? Like, what ails you? What ails you that you have gathered such a company? And so he said, this is is Micah saying, you have taken away my gods, which I made, and the priest, and you have gone away. Now what more do I have? How can you say what ails me? (laughs) Point number Four on our list, gods that can be taken away are no gods at all, right? I mean, Micah's like all been out of shape, like, you took my gods. Well, then they weren't very helpful. If you can steal somebody's god, that god is not going to help anybody. There's a similar story in Genesis chapter 31. You know, Jacob marries Rachel. Well, Rachel was the daughter of Laban. Laban was an idol worshiper. And there's a story in Genesis 31 where Rachel, having grown up in a home where her dad worshipped idols, still had this attachment to idols. And so it says that as she's leaving her father's house, she steals some of his idols. They must have been little enough because it says in Genesis 31 that she hid them under her saddle. She's riding probably a, a camel. She hides them under her saddle. Laban comes out like, have you seen have you seen my idols? She's like, no, no, I haven't seen. I, no, you know, don't mind the bump under the saddle. You know, I haven't seen anything. Look, the idea is if you can hide your gods under a saddle, they ain't going to help you ever, right? So we serve a big God. I can't remember off the top of my head who said it, but if God were small enough for me to figure out, he wouldn't be big enough for me to worship. I think it was J.B. Phillips who said it. If God were small enough for me to figure out, he wouldn't be big enough for me to worship. So we serve a big God. We won't always understand everything about the magnificence of God. He's too great sometimes to comprehend the whys that we often have in life. But if we could comprehend and understand everything about God, then he's probably not really worth worshiping. Because if our little human minds can wrap our minds around the greatness of God and the mystery of God, in his entirety, then he's probably not worth worshiping. We have a big God that we worship. A God that you can carry and take away and steal and hide under a saddle is not going to help you. So it's just kind of this funny exchange here. You know, you took away my gods and you took away my priest. Why can, how can you ask what ails me? Don't you know what upsets me? Verse 25, and the children of Dan said to him, do not let your voice be heard among us, lest angry men fall upon you and you lose your life with the lives of your household. And then the children of Dan went their way 
And when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back to his house. Verse 27. And so they took the things Micah had made and the priests who had belonged to him and went to Laish to a people quiet and secure. And they struck them with the edge of the sword and burned the city with fire. Notice this. There was no deliverer because it was far from Sidon and they had no ties with anyone. Point number five, isolation makes us vulnerable to the enemy. These people were far away from their own people, and here they are occupying this area of northern Israel, and they were very vulnerable to attack. And it is a good reminder to us that isolation makes us vulnerable to the enemy. Look, this is the reason why the body of Christ needs each other. This is why Hebrews 10.25 talks about don't forsake the assembling together, but encourage each other and all the more as you see the day approaching because we need each other. There is strength in numbers and there is an enemy of our souls. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. He wants to start with you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy everything about you. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But we have to be aware that we have an enemy who wants to constantly be attacking us, discouraging us, tempting us. So what helps us is the body of Christ. Pray for one another, encourage one another. Solomon would write in Ecclesiastes 4 verse 10, when one falls down, one can help up his friend, but pity the one who falls and has no one to help him up. And a few verses later, Solomon would write, though one man may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. One is vulnerable, but together with a second, there's strength, and three together cannot be easily broken. We need each other. Don't isolate yourself. The body of Christ needs each other. When these Sidonians got isolated in a place where they really shouldn't have been, they were very vulnerable to the enemy. And so the rest of verse 28 says, it was in the valley that belongs to Beth Rehob, So they rebuilt the city and dwelt there. These are the Danites. And they called the name of the city Dan, after the name of Dan, their father, who was born to Israel. However, the name of the city formerly was Laish. Laish, by the way, means lion. Dan means judge. And so the tribe of Dan will occupy this place. As I said, it's now called Tel Dan to this day. It's not called Laish anymore. Verse 30, then the children of Dan set up for themselves the carved image This is where it just continues to unravel. They're not worshiping God. They're worshiping idols. And Jonathan, the son of Gershorn, the son of Manasseh, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. Okay, the rough date of what's happening here is around 1130 B.C. The captivity of the land in the north happens when the Assyrians come in 723 B.C. You're talking almost 400 years that they are worshiping these idols at this makeshift altar, installing their own priests, doing everything contrary to the law of God. And the last verse, and so they set up for themselves Micah's carved image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. So the tabernacle, before it was permanently the temple in Jerusalem, the tabernacle of Israel was in Shiloh. It is a town that today on a map is considered in the territory of the West Bank. I've been there once before, but the tabernacle was a temporary place. It was like a tent. It's where the Lord was worshipped. 
And it stayed there for 369 years until David got the plans for the temple from God. His son Solomon would build the temple in Jerusalem, and that would be the permanent place of worship. But at this time, the place was Shiloh. And here the Danites are way at the northern part of Israel doing their own thing. Why? Because there was no king, at least none that they acknowledged. And they were just doing what was right in their own eyes. And so the saga continues into chapter 19. Thank you for joining us today here on Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the book of Judges. It's a great reminder to the kid inside us, to the human flesh that is a bent to fulfill its own desires. Whatever we do, someone always sees it. Nothing goes unnoticed, especially those things we wished had been overlooked. Isn't that the role of a parent, though, to discipline the behavior of sin? Jesus is the same way with the Israelite nation and us. He doesn't allow sin to go without consequence. But He's also lovingly fair and desires each one of us to return to Him. Maybe you felt like that kid who's gotten off track with God. We can't be perfect, but we can pray that we'll have the strength to do what's right and follow in God's footsteps. Are you struggling with that? Would you like someone to pray with you? If so, please email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry located in Leesburg, Virginia, committed to sharing the love of Christ with you through sound biblical teachings that meet you where you're at. To find out more about us, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That website again is cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for listening to this edition of Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.